Hooray, hurrah, once again, the smartest man in the world, Fruitcast, takes to the ether this time, well, and every time, from the salubrious confines of the Porpoise of Fruititude, located somewhere here in Lower California, in the fourth month of our containment. Once again, we join hands and join hearts. I don't count all the days, Jennifer. It makes it easier. Join hands and join hearts to find some solace in each other's company in what is soon to be a triumphant blue wave. Uh-huh. Um, Bootsy Collins' birthday was yesterday, October 26th. Um, I don't care how old he is. He's ageless and he's timeless. He's from Cincinnati. Him and his brother Catfish were in a band that, when they were teenagers, James Brown fired his entire band and hired them. What's your name, lady? How fortuitous for him to find Bootsy Collins. For the folk to preside. Um, My name is Jennifer. My name's Greg. Welcome to our show. I love the way Bootsy dresses. Um, the, The sunglasses, the glitter, the glister. So... There's a couple great Bootsy stories, but there's a thousand great Bootsy stories. First of all, he has a funk university online where he teaches bass. And, um, of course he does. Yeah. The, uh, he has a great, uh, there's a YouTube, uh, online where he tells a story about how him and the band were taking acid before a show and James didn't take any drugs. Came back where they were. They had uh, their orange, not microdot, they had the, uh, the, the, you know, the orange tab in the, in the drink. And they were hitting on it. And James goes, hit me. And he goes, you don't want this, James. And he come on. Drank it all. He goes on stage. Stands in one space for 20 minutes doing the moon dance. Just standing there. Well, the band's he like... He called it the moon dance, yeah. right? And said it was a great new dance that he'd come up with. And uh, <laughs> after the show, and this is... Uh, it must have been the only time he ever stood still on stage. Right? First he said he did a crazy dance. Then he stood for 15 minutes at one point. Um... And my other favorite one was years ago, uh, there was a show in England. I think it was a, a, a 60s TV show, and they brought it back when we lived there in the 90s. It was called Jukebox Jury. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. And um, it was great, because like, it was that part of Bandstand where they called Raider Record, where they would stand there, or uh, Soul Train when they'd unscramble the, the, uh, uh, they'd do the scramble. So they, it's, it was three people on a jury. Was it one regular person? And it was like usually a, a musician, a critic, and some other kind of thing. So they had Bootsy on. And of course, he was wearing fantastic, you know, gigantic star-shaped glasses from another universe, and fucking cool outfit. And this was right after Delight. This is a couple years after, so he was, you know, in the groove. And um, uh, they played a black and white video by a boxer named Nigel Benn, who was a heavyweight uh, boxer in England at the time, the early nineties. A bit ill-advised. So they play the video, the video, yeah, and they go, they go through everybody and the first guy goes you know, you know it, was, it was nice it was, it was good you know like I liked it and then the next the woman on the panel who I can't remember no it's good you know like he's you know he's a boxer but like he was able to like you know crack a beat and whatnot and they go Bootsy what are you thinking he goes um I believe the video was in black and white baby and that was my favorite thing anyone's ever said being very diplomatic as a review of a record right? yeah I believe Not the a video. lot to say about yeah. the music. Oh, just fantastic. So, I don't care how old Bootsy is. He's as old as Sun Ra is. He's as old as Ferris Saunders. The world was made so that Bootsy... And here's another birthday shout-out. Happy birthday, Hillary Clinton. Born today right. in Chicago. Our real president. The very real president. She was having a 
what was it, a Chardonnay Zoom call with some friends? Uh, they did a Chardonnay Zoom call, according to Bill. <laughs> and when I read Bill's tweets, I, I read them in Bill's voice because it makes it funner. And as Bradley Whitmore, yeah, and now I fucking Zoom know Bradley Whitmore, you guys, because I've <laughs> done a couple friends. benefits with him. Um, he said the key to Bill Clinton is to make it slightly dirtier than it is. You go like, we were on a Zoom call today, a Chardonnay Zoom call. <laughs> Anyway, we love them both. Uh, I voted for Bill Clinton seven times. I voted by I voted by absentee. You and I voted by absentee when you we, we went did. to City Hall and voted for him before we went somewhere. I can't remember. We also uh, voted for him at the embassy. That's right. We never we actually never went to a polling place to vote for him. We voted at the U.S. Embassy in London. I remember phoning up uh, <laughs> how to how to vote in London and, yeah. and the U.S. Embassy's answering. Uh, oh my machine God. Said, <laughs> if you were calling about the death of an American abroad, press one. Yeah. <laughs> if you're calling about voting in an election, press two. Yeah. If this is about an international <laughs> hostage situation, press three. Yeah. The, at the death of an American abroad oh with their God. opener. And there's a big statue of Eisenhower out in front, of course, darlings. And um, That was the old embassy. Yeah, now there's a new one. And I remember we were going in, and there was a metal detector, and I had my satchel, and I think I had, like, a bag of weed on me. And I was Surely like, not. <laughs> this is before they did the... Who just phoned, Greg? That was before the show started. Yeah, Never br- just, this is. I want you to observe the Aristotelian universe. Sorry. That happened off stage. But, All right, but my merely d- minutes ago, the dope delivery guy phoned me to set the time because I was unclear in my online ordering. There, I'm no, sorry. you were. Wait, I'm a rich, you, you privileged, were unclear. Yeah, white, annoying asshole. On I your it. weed delivery, I'm a screaming liberal who tells other people how they should think. And I have weed delivered, okay? If that makes me a bad person, then turn the show off now and go get an omelet. Kind of makes you a Californian. Mm. I try to roll along with California. You think you'd be growing it. Right? You know, I've done a lot more uh, time in the garden than I used to, but uh, I haven't really tried to grow. That always seems like a fruitless exercise to me. Also, I feel like I'm going to be the person that lets them, you know, them hide. What do they do when they pollinate? Mm-hmm. You're not. You have to have all female plants. You can't have male plants. But there's going to be this one that sneaks in. Imagine how excited the squirrels would be. To eat my marijuana. <laughs> I don't even want to say what the squirrels do. They do unspeakable things with plants. And I, I'm just not here for it. I've, I've had a running gun battle with these squirrels since the fucking... Uh, world ended and I won't have it anyway uh, it's me and Jennifer and we're here uh, for the next three and a half hours with you <laughs> we just went Joe Rogan oh lord really Bootsy Collins is a teenager on this track dig the bass What is it? I got soul and I'm super bad. I got soul and I'm super bad. Fantastic. Times being uh, scandalous like they are, it is so important to have... By the way, and this is what I love about James Brown records. One, he wrote them, and he's a superb uh, musician and band leader, songwriter, dancer, possibly the greatest. Um, right. Certainly the most exciting person I ever met at an airport. Yeah, unbelievable. Super bad. 
parentheses, parts one, comma, two, ampersand, and three, mono version and parent. It's just great. There's so many of his songs there. Get up. Get up, brackets. I feel like being a sex machine, end brackets. He's one of those people that you remember the first time you you ever heard oh him. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. I was, it was on TV when I was little, and I'm sure it was... Um, Hullabaloo or something like that. And, um, I'm pretty sure it was I, I not I feel good. Um, my favorite one. Um, Papa's got a brand new bag. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to remember in the '60s on TV, he was huge. He oh was in God. he was in the Snow Beach well, movie. Do you remember so that exciting. one? Do you remember the Ski Beach movie where they all went to the mountains instead he of the beach? He was such a kinetic yeah presence on stage. Oh my God. The Unstoppable. Best, the best part of television, let's be honest, in those days was that in the late 60s uh, um, and mid 60s, James Brown was on TV. He was on Saturday morning teen TV. He was on, you know, he showed up in, like I say, the ski movie, which I can't remember the name of. Uh, and Sly and the Family Stone were on variety shows yes. all the time. And James Brown used to go on right. Merv Griffin in the afternoon. I remember seeing him play Sex Machine yes. on, not Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas. Mike Douglas. Mike Douglas was the squarest white guy. He was like but an. He had- Great, Great bookings. He had John Lennon host for a week. Yep. And Lennon had, uh, 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 fantastically, uh, um, Yoko co-hosted and he had Chuck Berry come on. It was great. Anyway, uh, he did. His co-hosts were always awesome and he let the co-host pick the guests, which was astonishing. So it was five afternoons. So much freedom. Five, and Roger Ailes was the fucking producer of that show. How did that happen? I don't know, because it's a world away from the, the hell that he created. In any case, uh, he comes on. And Mike Douglas's crowd was largely women who had time in the afternoon to go to a taping. I'm just saying it. I'm not saying it, it, you know there was men there, but it was it was really a, a well. And it was on at like what three thirty. Right, it was on at three thirty, and I think it probably taped around the same time in Philly. It was a Philly show of all things. And Mike was this blandest, nicest, sweetest, kindest. He tried to be funny. Sometimes he wasn't funny. But he was open-minded. He wasn't a dick. Him and Merv Griffin had that thing where they actually loved the people they had on. Yes. And were open we like, this is so exciting. He had Carlin on and, you know, Pryor. Except Merv Griffin's show had the atmosphere of a, a very boozy, boozy nightclub. Mm-hmm. And people would get kind of boozy and tell things on his show that they... No, Mike Douglas' show didn't, have, wasn't a drinking had, show. Didn't have that. Uh, uh, Merv Griffin's show was like it was taking place just inside a bar. Jack Shelton, the horn player, who we uh, gave a swirling tribute to last year, um, who had his own TV show and then did the theme song to the Sandpiper and had a hit with it. The trumpet player. <laughs> and, and was on Sesame Street. Right. He wasn't the band leader of Merv Griffin's band. He was just so great that they talked to him right, every day. Funny. And Merv would go, how are you, Jack? And he'd go, hi, Merv. <laughs> And he wasn't drunk. He was he was right, just was putting just on his, his thing. Yeah, his he was stick. putting on and acting like this. He was man. a surfer dude. Crazy man. And then he they let him sing every once in a while. So I'm watching and I'm what year is Sex Machine? 71, 72. I was like 11, 12. And afternoon I've come home from sixth grade or whatever. And James Brown's super, it's got the jumpsuit with the V down the front. Mm-hmm. And the, they do Sex Machine with Bobby and everybody. They get up, get on up. Right. And Mike Douglas, there's cutaways of the crowd. And it's all these nice ladies from Philadelphia. And they're all kind of digging the scene, right? And the song is, you know, as you know, suggestive. And, A little. Um, let's just, well, I was going to close with it, but we'll, we'll come back. Uh, Mike Douglas comes out after James Brown, and they did the "Take Me to the Bridge" part fifty-two oh, times, I love right? That. Come on, take me to the right a thousand times. And it, supposedly, the, the evolution of him uh, 
The cape? Yeah, having to need the cape, uh, swearing the cape off, collapsing again, Mm. then the cape comes out, draped over his shoulders. It's because they used to not be able to... Uh, they didn't have a green room or a dressing room. Why they, was that, Jennifer? They were black. Yeah. And they had to go out in the parking yep. lot. So he was, would be instantly chilled because he'd been performing furiously right. on stage. And he'd go outside in the dark night. And need a coat. Yep. It's unbelievable. Everything's based in... Uh, this country is based in racism. However... Uh, he comes out, he does his number, he rocks the place down, right? This is afternoon TV, but the James Brown band was not to be denied, right? They oh, no. threw down. And he was sweating and awesome. Mike Douglas comes out and he goes, James, that was really good. I've never seen the crowd grooving this hard. And I thought, even at 11 or 12, I was like, this is not a groovy crowd. This is... This is my mother. My mother loved Mike Douglas, right? Like you Everybody know, right. did. It was on at 3.30 in the afternoon when you came home from school, and it always had someone good, or the guy who cooked. There was a guy who cooked a lot. The first time I ever saw Chuck Berry was on the Mike yeah. Douglas show. You, they introduced you to a world. <laughs> Merv Griffin and Mike Douglas did the very great favor of bringing all the 50s and 60s stars yeah. on their show all the time. Johnny Ray, I saw for the mm-hmm. first time. Um, who is Tony Martin's uh, what? Sid Charisse? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Tony Martin, even? Uh, he really had a soft spot, both of them did, for performers who weren't quite as popular in the early 70s as they had been, say, in 1964. And he, not that James Brown was one, but they also were open-minded enough to have fucking James Brown on the sex machine and not go, oh, we can't have that also, one. Also, there were nice, lengthy yeah. interviews. Yeah. I remember Donald O'Connor was on once. And he, right. He was singing and, he, and dancing, and then he started talking about his diet. Yeah. I don't know why I remember that, but I mean... It, Mind you, Donald O'Connor's film career was not peaking in 1974. Right, but that's what was beautiful <laughs> yeah. about having... That's how I first yeah. knew who he was. Absolutely. And it, it reminds me of Dick Cavett's uh, Right, I never show, saw Fellini on which TV. Which was really fundamental to my understanding about a lot of uh, film and literature uh, legends. And uh, You think that we've made our show as, as pretentious as his, but without the guests, Jennifer. <laughs> Yes. No, I remember. I didn't know who Eudora Welty was, right. or, or Alberta Hunter, the jazz singer. He had Capote on all the time too. But but to spend a, a lengthy bit of time, Alberta with them, Hunter, so that, right? Yeah. Alberta Hunter, and that so you could have an understanding of where they were coming. No, Dick Gavitt gave you a good ass conversation, a long one. And Eudora Welty read from My Life at the P.O. And fantastic. Yeah, and I remember that. I remember as a kid David, seeing that. David Frost was on at the same time slot, like three or four in the afternoon. Syndicated, right? Was he? He was syndicated, I think. And he had a he had a swinging band. And uh, Arthur Treacher, before he swirled off uh, that old British movie star, he was in all the Shirley Temple movies. Who talked like this? Then now here is David Frost. Um, oh no, Arthur Treacher was on Merv Griffin show. Sorry, I switched. Yeah, I David Frost what? was British. I got introduced by David Frost once. Uh, and there's a famous agony aunt, uh, which is like a dear Abbey in uh, England named Marge Proops. And David Frost introduced me at the um, gig you got me. 
the Peter Cook's Trust. Yes. It was a ch- it's a children's charity. And pretty uh, kicking gig. This was going to get pretty starry pretty quick here. Terry Jones from Monty Python directed it. Michael Palin went on after me, and David Frost introduced me. Peter Cook's greatest two jokes Seems are... Seems good so far. Yeah. Peter Cook's two greatest jokes were... Um, do you think comedy can change people's point of view? Yes. Look what the Weimar Cabaret did in Stopping Hitler. And his other greatest joke, I'm leaving out the other one because there's too many C-bombs, and <laughs> is what's your biggest regret in life? Saving David Frost from drowning when we were at school. So they went to Cambridge together. David Frost is a nice person. He had a very interesting talk show. And if you've ever seen the movie... The movie's a pale imitation of the actual TV show that he conducted with Nixon, which was like this right. weird exhumation of a Roman emperor in exile. It was like, and he let Nixon hang himself. He just let him talk. And the more Nixon talked, the weirder it got and everything. But it was... Nixon it, ended up in San Simeon. Where is uh, 45 going to end up? Clemente. Uh, he ended up in, uh, yeah, uh, I think Saudi. My guess is Riyadh. Or, uh, oh, San Clemente, yes. I didn't mean to correct you. It's horrible to hear corrections on. We'll cover it next week. Um, <laughs> he'll have been Saudi. I don't see. I thought Putin gave him the um, the shoulder. Surely they have a golf course. Right? There. Oh, there's loads of golf courses. Putin gave him the shoulder this week when he, he dumped on the Hunter Biden laptop thing. Yeah, that was a bit wild. Wasn't it? Because um, it's compromised. Especially you know, since this is a, a group so dastardly, they chose today to ram through the illegitimate justice for the Supreme Court. Um, It's Hillary Clinton's birthday. Right, but they wanted to see Amy Cohn had bird hodge on her. And I was reading about, um, and she's she's a a member of a cult called Praise Praise the People. Yeah. Oh, I was in that group. I auditioned for that. Oh, wait a minute. That was up with people. (laughs) With Glenn Close. Mm. Um, That's right. Glenn Close was in Up With People. Barrett has never tried... This is... Mother Jones did an article about how unqualified this uh, racist monster misogynist... She's homophobic and misogynist. And misogynist, yeah. She's never tried a case to verdict or argued an appeal in any court, nor has ever performed any notable pro bono work, even during law school. She didn't do pro bono work at all. Which is part of the professional code of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, She turned in... Uh, she has almost no experience practicing law whatsoever. Oops. Which seems to make her perfect for this group. I was going to say, this group. this group, we're talking about fifth stringers like Kushner and tenth stringers like um, she, Dan Ratcliffe that 20, are running the DNI. In 2017, when she was appointed by Trump, she'd never been a judge, never worked in the government as a prosecutor, defense lawyer, solicitor general, Ooh. or attorney general, or served as counsel to any legislative body. She and, does, however, have quite a lot of strong opinions about a dazzling variety of important topics like uh, health insurance, gay rights, marriage, gay uh, marriage. The reason that Republicans were able to rush her confirmation hearing... Uh, is they have no scruples? Well, yes, and, <laughs> and they have the majority. Yeah. So stop yelling at your Democratic senators. And start yelling at McConnell. He hit his purple hands, I understand, during the vote. He had him stuffed in his... I didn't watch. We don't know about what's going on with his health. Purple hands. Quite purple. So uh, she turned in... The the body of her work, her documents, was 1,800 pages. What? I have that many. Which sounds like a lot. But apparently Chief Justice Roberts, when he was confirmed, had 75,000 pages. You mean like a grown-up. And... uh, 
Elena Kagan had a hundred and seventy thousand. But the difference is Elena Kagan yeah. and Maria Sotomayor had careers as judges and Ruth Bader Ginsburg and participated in landmark cases. All of them. Oh, it's pretty wild. I mean, this is this is we're in the to the cake taking right. uh, evil zone. I think it's we the, have a, the raging pandemic. Uh, Pence's office has what five people? As many as the that country we New Zealand. know. No, four more. Oh, four more than New Zealand had last week. Right. The Pence's office has four more cases that we know, of COVID. As you say, because there might be lying. There might be ten people not the country people. of New yeah. Zealand. Yeah. Um, and you know, when that fly landed on his shoulder or his head, rather, there was a bug on Trump's shoulder mm-hmm. in North Carolina at the rally. And then a bee landed on Kamala. I know, and she and, started laughing and said, "At least it's not a fly." Yeah, we were all hysterical. Um. Yeah, it's a perfect storm, isn't it? It's always an antidote when when you watch a clip of uh, Biden Biden hugging a young person uh, that we saw that ad, mm-hmm. uh, which was really touching and lovely. And then uh, Kamala's uh, stops on uh, her trips around the country. She's always so upbeat, uh, making sure to touch base with uh, many different neighborhoods and people mm-hmm. and people love her they react to her her joy she's lovely and her sense of humor uh, in the midst of all the seriousness really really plays well um oh it's necessary i mean people are just exhausted mm-hmm. i mean we're still uh, it's up and down uh people county by county don't know because we don't have a national uh prescription for what's going to happen what what we should be doing how sh- how should we go to the store how should we go to a restaurant there's no mask mandate it, it, people are confused uh schools open then they close down again right it's it's a bit of too much chaos yeah and no overarching overriding good in- well-intentioned governance to be the bolster that gets us through this which is what you required in world war ii to be honest, did we really have it in Vietnam? Vietnam was kind oh, of God, a, no. a complete free throw. They but acted the, like know, nothing was in control for. Is is you know different is when I was a kid, I wrote Nixon's White House about my dad being in Vietnam, mm-hmm. and I got a letter back. I mean, nothing happened, no. but there was the the pre- pretense yes. of caring about. The populace. Now we have the fake health care plan that the press secretary handed Leslie Stahl after the unsuccessful 60 Minutes walk-off baby bitch interview where he couldn't handle any questions and I, I, I did to her what he does to every woman who interrogates him. You shouldn't have asked that. That was the wrong question. You did the wrong thing. You're being mean to me. You it don't was, ever... It was abusive. It was really, I, it was really disgusting. So, yeah. And the look on her face, she's just shocked mm-hmm. that he's going to go there because they were giving him all that airtime. The and prime he was Sunday accusing slot. her of, first of all, interviewing Biden, which he hadn't, mm. and it, uh, accusing 60 Minutes of asking him tougher questions than they gave Biden, which isn't true at all. How about the questions they asked Kamala on the night, the super racist oh, questions like, oh. how are you now or have you ever been a socialist and all that jazz? That was pretty weird, right? A lot of the media is really not distinguishing themselves. But then when you look at who runs... Uh, the room Rupert at all of these, well, not just Rupert yeah. Murdoch, but it's all controlled by white guys. How come I can't control it? With an agenda. No, I know you're absolutely right. I, I want to talk about two things in that regard. Um, 
I don't love giving Peggy Noonan any oxygen because I don't think she's really worth it anymore. But she said something so terrible today that I just have to jump right in and say, um, she said that Kamala on the road uh, stumping was embarrassing because she danced around and it was frivolous and all these, she used all these words about it. That was pretty shocking. Well, 45, 45 does this bizarre herky-jerky Adderall-induced dementia arm-pumping thing to a variety of... He, he's killing Americans. So right. the idea of calling the first black woman running for vice president on the Democratic ticket uh, embarrassing mm-hmm. in her movements when she's charming and she's always serious. And in possession of the hand- yeah, Exactly. He is an embarrassment by his existence, one. Yeah. Two, by his presidency, or whatever we're calling it. But the dancing that he does and the repulsive things he says about kissing and still he's always aggressive sexually with everyone. He's always dismissive and horrible and monstrous about every woman that he comes in contact with and treats them abusively. Um, the idea that Peggy Noonan took that stance, I thought, you know, you and I have been saying it since the beginning of this, but a lot of people are really showing their... Um, I was going to say another more colorful word. Uh, they're, they're showing the, the palette with which they are painted. And um, it's really definitive. If you're going to be, if you're going to have a meltdown like Kanye, if you're going to um, really show yourself um, rhetorically, Peggy Noonan is completely in control of her instrument. I, gr- I guarantee you that. None of the words she chose to call Kamala were a mistake. She's not someone she was who, a speechwriter. She was Bush's thousand points of light as hers. Yes, she she's not someone who's imprecise in the way she expresses herself. Whereas forty five is a fire hose, you know, of of garbage. It's so lies. revolting that she thought that it was okay to uh, express that. I do. I couldn't um, agree more. The other day, uh, Greg and I were walking in our neighborhood. Was I with you? <laughs> we were walking in our neighborhood, and we were at a biz- busy intersection. And a car, we were in the middle of the intersection walking, and a car came screeching and honked at us, and I jumped, thinking, oh my God, you know, it's LA. Pedestrians are just, you know, something to attack. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and we turned. It's like Death Race 2000. And we turned, and this Latin guy Mm -hmm. was uh, cheering our, because we had Biden-Harris masks. And. It was so nice. It, it did give me a start. Right? We were in the middle of the street on a very busy street. But, and then we went to um, get a couple of plants. And the guy, there was a young guy, a black guy, who was like in his early 20s. And he came to the car with us. And he hadn't helped us. So I was like, well, why is he coming to the car with us? And he wanted to talk to us about Kamala Harris. Because he was so excited. We were wearing the Kamala gear. Right. And he was from Florida, and he told us proudly that he never changed his residency. Wasn't that great? So he could vote by mail in Florida. He said he had, what, two or three roommates, and they'd all done that so that their vote was counted in Florida. Yeah, and I thought that was awesome. And he was just so excited about it. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was really beautiful. Um, Speaking of which, things that aren't beautiful, um, Jared Kushner's in our government, which there's no reason for it other than... Uh, I don't know. I think Chris Christie putting his father in federal penitentiary um, created that opportunity for the Trump family to swoop in and collect him up as one of their... I I can't remember her last name, but Reese, who uh, tweets as Black Women Views, had an awesome uh, takedown of Jared Kushner's statement 
was it today or yesterday? No, it was today very much so. That's why it and inspired she, me. To- she said about Kushner's father, how dastardly do you have to be to be a rich white man and go to prison? Yep. And he took a brokered plea. You know, the thing they were going to get him with was bigger than the one that they got him with, which is what the, you can always bargain when you're that rich for your sentence. Kushner said two things that really struck me. One, he has no business being there and he's completely illegal. But this is such a throwback to, it's not a throwback. It's a reaffirmation and a recapitulation of their intensely racist stance that they would overdo every civil rights act if they could. Kushner. So look, there's been a lot of discussion about the issues that were needed in the black community for the last years, but particularly intensified after the George Floyd situation. So far, that's factual. You saw a lot of people who were just virtue signaling. No, you did not see that. You only see that if you view it through a prism of that people literally fought, desperately fighting for their lives because every time they have an encounter with a policeman, it could be lethal to them. This includes men, women, and children. Uh, that's not virtue signaling. That's, <laughs> that's a mass movement. They'd go on Instagram and cry. And that was the part that... So his world... Remember, this is the person who used um, uh, WhatsApp for diplomatic mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. top secret... Well, well aside from being... Uh, a moron. Sorry. Right. I was going to say, craving it. and with lacking any empathy, this is not a clever group. Clever? Wow. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. This is a very, very small. Or they put a slogan on their jersey or write something on a basketball court. So, the entire experience of people who've been sidelined, maligned, um, murdered with impunity, and stiffed economically and left out of the system and been enshrined in the racism of American mm-hmm. public life are going on Instagram and crying or putting a slogan on their jersey. You see. It, it, it's so it, it's just hate speech. It's I mean, unbelievable. He's a monster. Uh, it was doing more to polarize the country than it was to bring people forward. No, it wasn't. Then he goes on to mention Ice Cube. One last thing. Um, once again, a thing we've seen in a lot of black community, which is mostly Democrat, also stop saying it's Democrat, we're Democratic. Thank you. Is that President, his policies are the policies that can help people break out. And this is where it goes right into the Dixiecrats from 1949 or whatever. He can't want them to be successful more than they want to be successful. Um, as you say, it, it, it couldn't be closer to absolute Nazi bullshit. Uh, Obama gave a really great speech yes please the other day and he was just on fire and he said the answer for young people when i talk to them is not that voting makes everything perfect it's that it makes things better yep. you know if we all show up i mean what you and i are excited by is the fact that there there's such a big early voter turnout it's ridiculous how big and it is. there and there's drum lines in brooklyn there's uh you know dancing uh, it's a festive scene, and it just gives you people, so much hope. People are taking the voter suppression, which is what standing in a long line is, and turning it into a holiday. Also, that thing that was asked of all of us, we kept hearing it all year. It needs to be an avalanche. It needs to be a giant turnout. It needs to be beyond question in order to uh, escape all of the chicanery, jiggery-pokery lies, and the, what the Justice Department has up its sleeve for us has materialized. Yes. Well, black women have always been there for what's right. Yeah. 
um, what we need are white people. Yeah, we can't ask black women to save us. That's way too much. The majority of white men are still on the 45 tip. You know, I just, I've been thinking about it a lot, and I really like your point about Kamala, but I just can't pull the... Um, Can I run through a couple of uh, causes here? What do you got? Well, I was just going to say that that, uh, Big Frida, who has a new HBO Max series called Equal about the LGBTQ uh, struggle, was on Instagram the other day with the candidate Adrian Perkins. He's running, he's the mayor of Shreveport. He's running for senator in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. He's black. Against Bill Cassidy. And he's running against an evil, well, that goes without saying, Republican who wants to take away health care in Louisiana. Yeah. During the COVID. Yeah. And and just as a reminder, uh, Frida, who has a, a bullet in her arm, uh, also has a documentary called Frida Got a Gun uh, about the gun crisis in New Orleans. And I love, we were watching it and, and she said that she's been doing so much that she feels like she's running yeah. for office. <laughs> she but, is in essence. Right. But Adrian Perkins is Isn't it great? a wonderful candidate yeah. for Louisiana. Absolutely. Um, we have a chance with Mike Espy, um, Reverend Warnock in Georgia, um, uh, Mr. Perkins in the mayor of Shreveport in Louisiana. Cory Booker is uh, running for re-election. Cory Booker. Uh, there's a, um, a chance to change the face of the Senate and get some black people in there. It's so very important. Every, it's such every a white single body. vote that you cast on your ballot is important. Um, I don't want to say that a vote in Virginia was decided by one vote that they drew out of a hat two years ago, but yeah. it was. So one vote can mean a lot. I've been having um, a grand time, and I've had a lot of great friends ask me to do a bunch of stuff in the last few weeks. And we're still full steam ahead on this, you guys. As Bob Gibson said in the 1968 World Series, Pedal to the Metal, seven days left. Well, six when you read this. You're not reading. Um, Fieldteam6.org works out of Kansas. Uh, Jim Turner, who I'm buddies with and is a comedian from Duxworth Mystery Theater, um, had me do a thing with him called um, Blue Corn, which we did which raised money for down-ballot candidates in Iowa, not uh, Congress, but State House. And it was five women they specifically... We raised 30 grand for them. Um, I did a uh, an event with them. Colin Mockery, Aisha Tyler, Dave Foley, Bradley Whitford, and uh, Jay Moore, J.B. Moore, mm-hmm. sorry, uh, uh, from South Carolina called uh, Lindsay Must Go, and we raised 70 grand at that. The Wisconsin Dems thing we did that uh, Ben Glebe asked me to do that had Sarah Silverman and Mike Babilia, Maria Bamford, all that, um, that raised half a million dollars. So we've been real... Oh, and Sister District, I, uh, did a, I've been doing a couple of them, a little quiplash game. Last night, Colin and Brad stopped by, which was nice. It was like right? a mini oh, who's fun. line. Yeah. I think they're really effective because people, you know, it's diverting and it's fun, but it's also people want to help and they're learning about different down ballot candidates when they participate, participate in all these things. Yeah. I've been happy to do all of them. Did you just set your, I think I set my pants on fire. fire? Um, I'm a liar, liar. I've been really happy to do all these things. And um, there's a couple of other ones I'm going to mention. Uh, The Wisconsin Democrats who need this because the Wisconsin um, state legislature and the Wisconsin Supreme Court are very difficult and sticky Mm -hmm. on um, 
we were simply scrolling through our Twitter last night. Halloween is a beautiful night uh, for all of us, and this year has more poignant meaning than it could possibly ever have. They're doing a Rocky Horror show on Halloween Isn't at seven o'clock. Wonderful. Yeah, it's um a nine p.m. Central. What time is that here? Seven. Seven here. Yeah. I'm sorry. My you think as much as I travel, I know mountain the, time, yeah, Pacific mountain time, time. time. Right. Wait. Right. Hawaii time, curry time, uh, skate time, party time. Weed time. We, uh, 420. Oh, okay. And why do we mention it? Because I happened to be scrolling through last night, and I was on, of all people, Rosario Dawson had retweeted that she was so excited to work with Tim Curry. Funny who's missing in the cast. What? Hello. We're not going to mention yeah. the name Susan. or Yeah. Um, it's Tim Curry, Connie Britton. Uh Connie Britton was on a show called Nashville with our friend Charles. I got to meet Connie in Nashville one year. She's really nice and very pro-choice. She's and very active. Liberal. Very active. That's great. Lance and Tim Bass. Curry, we love Tim Curry. Yeah, I've also met Lance Bass on the Who's Line show. Yeah. Believe it or not, Nell Campbell, who we didn't meet, but we were in her club once in the uh, right, old in days York. in New York. Seth Green, who's hilarious, mm-hmm. and we're we know uh, Jason Alexander. I don't think we're gonna, uh, it's going to be fun. Um, it's called Volunteer with Wisconsin Democrats. It's on Halloween night. I have nothing to do with this. I just thought it was... So cute. Well, I was really so excited um, that Tim Curry was doing, you know... Oh, he's just... He's such a wonderful person. And um, it's great that there's all these different events. Mm. People are really excited. They're to cheap join too, by in. the way. I don't want to give right. you the idea that it's like a zillion. I think it's this one's thirty dollars, and you get to see all this, and mm-hmm. you know. Uh, then uh, another one for the final push, and this the money for this goes to. Um, let's see here. Uh, swing left, stand up for America, and field team six and grassroots Democrats. Um, stand up for America was a group dedicated to removing Mitch McConnell, and that raised seventy grand. Um, oh, God, we all did so videos. Necessary. All these comics did videos. Uh, about, I did one for Mark Kelly it of Arizona because like, I was born in Arizona. It seems like Mitch, with his his uh, decaying purple hands, is clinging <laughs> on just to yes, destroy Jennifer. the courts. Yes, that's all he cares about. They put so many people on the district. He had court. bandages, and his hands were purple. He's clearly had IV lately. It's bad. No, he looks like Ray Milan. What's the movie where they re-enter the atmosphere and he starts to disintegrate? Don't, don't associate Ray Milan. No, Ray Milan was so beautiful. It's called Vote Fest 2020, the final push. Um, Mo Collins is uh, hosting it. Um, there's a bunch of comedy guests. Videos by Jack Black, Patricia Clarkson, uh, Dana Gould. I love it. Right. Um, that's at Swing Left event. It's called Vote Fest 2020. I'm sorry if these go on too long, but that's how we're doing it here. Field Team 6, uh is cheerfully partisan. They register Democrats. That's all they do. So they have people go to places and call. It's great. Um, oh, too early for that. Too early cheerfully for that. Cheerfully partisan. I don't consider the other side a side. They're, they're just... Well, let's pretend it's World War II. And there's one group that's trying to throw gays and intellectuals, homose- uh, uh, um, hmm. Jews... Um, the uh, Romani... The Romani, all into a giant system whereby they are destroyed and then keep for their own power. How would you feel about them? Hmm. Um, Something uh, kind of unbelievable. The oldest newspaper in South Carolina has endorsed Jamie Harrison, 
The, Our first endorsement was James Knox Polk. The, Why, he was the, a fair-minded man, And Jennifer. Jamie Harrison, just he's running against Lindsey Graham. Jamie Harrison was the head of the Democratic uh, Party in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And he's running for Senate senator in South Carolina against Lindsey Graham. And he just wrote, he retweeted it and wrote, change is coming, folks. Oh, no kidding. I man. mean, he, you know, like, wow. We endorsed Rice in 1854. It's just. That paper's been around so long that they've literally. Yeah. And the union leader in Maine. And Maine was hosting a mm-hmm. 45 rally, endorsed a Democrat for the first time in a hundred years. Right, the main union leader. They those, endorsed the, Biden. Those are the most rock-ribbed Yankee like, conservatives. Wow. You'll, right? Am I wrong? Rock-ribbed Yankee right, conservatives. They may be sitting on the porch eating uh, Pepperidge oh. Farm cookies, right? but they're thinking evil in their hearts. We, did, we never invited you here. You, you're a stranger. Maine, I've never been. I remember the first time I went to Maine, and uh, did it, you kind of like the music? Uh, what oh. music in Maine? Well, I've never been really? to Maine. Not Spain. Um, not the friendliest people. Friendly. I've walked into. Isn't that where Herbert Walker lived in Kenny Bunkport? Yeah, Kenny Bunkport. I walked into um, a coffee shop in Keene, um, uh, New Hampshire, and had. Everyone look up. They're all reading the Vermonter or whatever, or the New, whatever the New Hampshire paper, the Sentinel, the Signal. They all fucking looked at me when I walked in. Then the last time I was there, a year and what, me and Drew walked, or Drew was already sitting there, and I went and joined him at the thing. And they weren't particularly overwhelmed with that. Oh, no. No, it, they, Yankees are just like a whole other thing. They're really cold white people. Having said that, Vermont is kind of fun. It's like a little Berkeley thingy. Except for their shouty senator. <clears throat> yeah. Every place has its... Every rouge has its stones. We have our Orange County. But Orange County's improving. It is. More than Ventura County's improving. If we want to get parochial here, which well, the show just disintegrated <laughs> into interesting squabbling. Well, we between- were just talking about the... Maine, Maine uh, New England issues. I want to talk about one thing and then I yes, want please. to move on, please. The debate was this week. It really was. It was on Thursday last. and um, It seems so long ago. Right? It wasn't like the first one because it wasn't, a, you know, a horrible gladiatorial shout fest of death and destruction. But he didn't change. He simply geared down. His uh, lies were more prevalent than they were in the first debate. And then there was a moment that really struck me. And it was when um, Joe Biden said, people are sitting around their table deciding whether or not they can buy another set of tires for their car, even though their tires are going bald, because we might have to put it off for a couple months till we get our shit together. Mm-hmm. And 45's response was, oh, that answer, sitting around the table, typical politician. It was like, the, the absolute, not that everything he hasn't done up till now, but in a debate, what is it you're selling? I know that your team He's is selling the, racism well, and I, misogyny yeah, and we're and owning homophobia. the libs and, and, and we're cruel and we want to punish people that we think should be punished. I got all that. I got all that. He, he's selling uh, people less than mediocre, uh, being able to shout at their, the, their betters, but even the, shout and yell he, and, and cause them harm. Even the people who are full of all this pain and all this anger who are backing this. 
even they sit around the table and say what they have to be. He, he never sits around a table with he his doesn't, family. His but family I'm saying, doesn't live with him. Should they, the cognitive dissonance is so strong with them or the, the pull of the cult is so deep that they literally can't receive any messages. That They're aren't. there for the hate and destruction. Or is what Orwell said, that denying the evidence of your eyes and ears was their last, their final and most essential command. I mean, they're they're still running around without masks and yeah. and calling it a hoax. And, Depends. And we set a record number of no. Last cases. week was the worst. Yeah. Uh, I think yesterday yeah. was a, a yes. record. No, last was a I mean, it's just uh, yeah. we're lucky that we live in California and we have a, a wonderful governor and a, a diligent mayor. Um, so does San Francisco. San Francisco's mayor, by the way, uh, I have a quote about her. Um, yes, please. London Bridge is crushing it, as they say. She is to San Francisco. Um, of the 20 most populous cities in the U.S., San Francisco has the lowest death rate per capita from COVID. If the entire country had approached, had followed the city's approach, there would be 50,000 dead from the pandemic instead of more than 220,000. She shut down London Breed, as mm -hmm. the mayor. She shut down San Francisco early and limited reopening. Also, as you and I were, I mean, were from San Francisco, we were reading San Francisco uh, is on the same wavelength, mostly politically so people are yeah. are wearing masks they're we not believe, they're not pretending this is what's my opening joke we believe in science right we believe in that gay people that women are people too the medical marijuana is not the worst thing ever happened guns aren't the solution to everything oh my god what did i read earlier today that um coal valley hardware on castro street yeah that they started the Halloween parade on Castro Street. The gay Halloween parade at that time was on Polk Street. And really? Oh, yeah, of course, of course. The, the Coal Valley hardware store had a paper mache stegosaurus named Stanislaus. Stanislaus? And he uh, just to orient our inside. listeners, Stanislaus is, is a county in the gold country. <laughs> right. They would put, Where the gold was discovered. They would put someone in, inside it and they, he would walk up and down... Castro, and then they would have ice cream. Isn't that great? Yes. A dinosaur named Stanislaus and ice cream. Well, you and I went to the uh, Halloween uh, oh party at Castro uh, when back so in the many long times. ago. And it was just so much fun. You felt We so took a lot safe. of drugs one time in college, I remember. I remember one time we were on mushrooms. Yeah, that and was I, right. And I remember that there was this guy, he was crouched, he, he must have been a dancer, he was wearing this red one piece. Right. And he was crouched on a, a fire hydrant, I think, or a newsstand uh -huh. on the corner of uh, 18th and Castro. Nice. And he was moving his arms right, in a like that. Like. Yeah. And he, and he said to me, is it real or is it Memorex? <laughs> It was this dinky black guy in a red leotard, wow. and he was saying, is it real or is it Memorex? And I remember thinking, like, you know... I've I, come home. Yes! I've come home. Yes. I mean, the first bar I ever went into in San Francisco was the uh, Hamburger Mary's. And I remember walking in, okay. and the host said to me, do you know how to twirl a baton? And he just handed me a baton. Mm -hmm. And I knew some, you know, rudimentary sure, things. Sure, you knew how to spin one. But I just thought, this is... I never made a better decision in my life than moving to San Francisco. 
All right, I have to back up on two things. One, the, the first story you told about is it real, is it memorics, we have to orient people to what that was. <laughs> there was an ad in the <laughs> 70s on telly where they had Ellis Gerald, was it? Someone would hit a note so high that it would right. shatter glass. And you, was we, it Ellen? I think it was. Yeah. We were recording uh, on the other hand of the, the ad, what that was for, was this tape that uh, it was important in those days to record on tape. We didn't right. have digital. So we recorded literally physically on tape, which sounds a lot better. Yeah. And always did. Um, and uh, the glass would break and they go, uh, and then uh, the voiceover would go, is it real or is it Memorex? <laughs> and, it was, and Memorex was the brand of the tape. So to say, is it real? Is it Memorex? Is hilarious. In Secondly, the middle of the night, yes, in the middle of a Halloween yeah, parade, the mushroom was it? Wasn't that the year that we saw the gaggle of Jackie? No, that was later. That was later. Was it? Yep. Are you sure? I, I, I absolutely you sure. Let me finish with the. There was they there said, was all a the group. Years Jackie. There were a, a, a 60s. Surely we've told this. No. Yeah, Go on. we have. All but right. it's it's October. Right? Um, Ray Bradbury and shit. Right. A, a convertible pulls up at a Castro and Market. Yeah. And six identically clad Jackie Kennedys. All in the, the last inauguration. Yeah. No, no, the, the inauguration. The, the Oleg Cassini pink yes. outfit with the hat. With the hat. Pillbox hat. Get out of a convertible. Yeah. With masks. Together. On yeah. chopsticks. It was That are Jackie Kennedy masks. Beautiful. So they're not wearing the masks. They're holding them in yeah. front of them. And they moved as a group. Right. They, they, they choreographed. They fluttered uh, like a bird's no. do. They flew. They flowed. And I that, one of the last. Are you sure that wasn't the. Wow. It was not the first time. Um, there was a time when there was. That a, was funny. A group of guys on a balcony. Yes. Doing the, Madonna's uh, boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when it got to the. Perfectly. Yeah. And. There's nothing to it. <laughs> Vogue, dun, 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 dun. And then they did the break. Everybody. Yeah. Remember the, the group of uh, drag queens that were dressed like um, it was uh, maybe a Reformation ballroom? Oh, yes. And they all came out as a group? Right. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. The Castro and Halloween was always... What I always loved about San Francisco was... As a child, I loved Halloween the most. I loved Christmas because of the gifts. And the, it was always Halloween. And the fact right. that they can't celebrate it on Castro anymore, is just, it, it breaks my heart. Right. And it was uh, the Sisters of Pe Perpetual Indulgence, yeah. who we've talked about before, who took it over from the Coal Street Hardware yeah. group when it became the celebration on the street of, of uh Gay freedom. I was going to say, it got, it got more politically gay and awesomely so. Also, the San Francisco Giants, just as a sidebar, when I first went to see them in 67, 68, whatever, the, my, 67, I reckon, my dad took me to a game, and it was that period when you're in second or third grade where black's your favorite color, and they were black, <laughs> and black and orange are the Giants' colors, and I've always... The only other team that does it is, well, Yale and um, the Baltimore Orioles. That's so telling, Greg, that... Black and orange. You think that there's a period of time where black is your favorite color as a child? Black became my favorite color as a, a you know, well, hate-seeking... Hate I'll be wearing it. Uh, ...punk follower. Right. Um, here's the deal. Uh, October 30th, the day before Halloween. And I'll, yes, Jennifer and I will be watching the Rocky Horror with Tim Curry. Yay! Um, I'm doing a Smartest Man in the World live podcast right here. 
uh, the Porpoise of Fruititude. I will be wearing all black. Uh, there'll be, uh, well, I promise you this. There'll be terrible special effects. There'll be disappointing lighting. And uh, I might not finish the show. So I'm asking you all to join me. Uh, I've got go some to bats. Go to right? That are cute. Uh, the Nowhere Comedy Club. Um, I stole a top hat from uh, True Jackson years ago. We did a circus episode. You also tried to steal a top hat from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. I know I did. That one I got busted for. That one fit me better. This one's... Everyone likes this one anyway. That was in Japan, too. It was because they had the... Well, anyway. It's <laughs> not that I'm a thief. I'm not. I'm uh, Who's Live, uh, com. We're doing a show in November on the 14th. Um, it's called an Improv Masterish Class. Last time we had Drew Carey. I know, I'm sorry. This time it's better. I'm not going <laughs> to tell you who the guests are. Um, but we do have special guests. Go to um, whoslive.com and click on the link. See if you can get it to fucking work. Can we talk about this uh, Pope for a second? Because we were talking about Annie Comey, Barhenge, uh, Barhound um, Hedgehog, and how awful she is. But it feels like Pope Francis for the last two weeks has been sending broadsides directly at her and this whole situation. Giving a little shade to our administration. Well, here's one. A bit overdue. This was from uh, October 23rd, three days ago. He, the Pope said he supports civil unions for same-sex couples, and then American Catholics will approve because they've shifted that far. That's a direct hit on Amy Conehard uh, Barrage. Absolutely. And then, then he uh, made the announcement that Wilton Gregory, right, who's uh, Archbishop of Washington, D.C., will take over as cardinal. So he will be the first African-American cardinal. And that seems directly related. Did he not famously come out on the terrible night when uh, the government used gas on us and uh, 45 weighed the Bible in that terrible way? Well, Wasn't he, he, the- made, he made a statement about that. He was also, uh, he took over from a cardinal who had been accused of mishandling clerical abuse cases. Each. So he, he's been somebody that has had to uh, clean up after white priests' misdeeds. What do you make of Pope Francis' moves this week, Jennifer? I mean- well, it seems obvious that, that it's it's so dastardly in, in uh, the White House that he's having to, you know, behind the times by a million years. Oh, um, it's the Catholic he Church. He named 13 new cardinals. Yes including Washington, D.C. Archbishop Wilton Gregory, who had become the first black U.S. prelate to earn the coveted red hat. Gregory won praise from LGBT advocates for voicing... Gregory did. Wilton Gregory. Yes. For... The new cardinal Voicing support of gay civil unions. So he did that before the Pope did. Oh, yeah. And, by the way, before becoming the only uh, African-American archbishop... Mm -hmm. I mean, cardinal, he was the first... African American Archbishop, and as this article puts it, that we're reading from the coveted red hat. Well, and this is the same week that we're, you know, finally there's an article about how Vogue hasn't had American Vogue went uh, until Beyonce demanded it. They never had hired a black photographer. Well, they've only been a magazine 100 and something years. You can't expect people to change overnight, Jennifer. So, you know. 
It's awesome that this I came across, and I, I didn't mention this to you, but I thought that this was wild. Arcadia, which is a, a town in California, yes, has just uh, gotten its first Japanese-American police chief, Roy Nakamura. It's a city where around 19,000 Japanese-Americans were incarcerated at the Santa Anita Park racetrack during World War II. Most lived in converted horse stalls before being transferred to camps in California, Arizona, mm. and elsewhere. And we've talked about it before. One of them was George Takei. You mean? From Star Trek. Right. Captain Sulu. Was in a, his family was in a horse stall. First Lieutenant Sulu. And these people were, you know, dealt with their situation. Yeah. Reading about it, it's just amazing. They, they formed baseball teams. They, they uh, had Clubs. news... <laughs> they they had newsletters. They were yeah. in that in a in a mm-hmm. living in a stall. Yeah. Um, Nakamura is the first Asian American police chief in a city where sixty one percent of the residents are Asian American. Wow. He's a detective specializing in forgery and fraud. Um, a little overdue. Representation is everything. Everything. Uh, how old was Viola Smith? Viola Smith was 107. And she... Kittens. She uh, swirled on to the stars from Costa Mesa. Um, she, 107? Yeah. And the Washington Post had a lovely eulogy to her by Adam Bernstein. She was billed as the fastest girl drummer in the world. <laughs> girl drummer. Right? It's, it's them. And champion greater inclusion of women in the almost completely male preserve of big bands, with a kit featuring 12 drums, including two giant tom-toms placed near her shoulders. Mm -hmm. And there is a clip on YouTube that you should check out where her drum kit is featured, and it is wild. She was from uh, 38 to 41, the centerpiece of the Coquettes, an all-girl big band. Which, by the way, was her band. She put that together. Um, her showcase the number, Coquettes. The Snake Charmer, was yeah. a jazzy arabesque with explosions of drumming pyrotechnics. She and her seven sisters, when she was little, had their, their dad put them in a band. Seven sisters. And the, the dad, it sounds like cheaper by the dozen. He started them all out on piano. Right. And she said by the time she got... Uh, to choose an instrument, she, the they youngest. were all taken. Yeah. <laughs> so, so she got drunk. And then she said, well, yeah. I, she felt really lucky because obviously that was meant to be. Um, her and her sisters were in demand for weddings and state fairs. In 1936, they toured wow. the nation. Yeah. Um, she was, her uh, band, the Coquettes, said she was an egalitarian leader who valued the input of her employees in major business and artistic decisions. She was a dervish behind the drums. Yes, she was. The Coquettes played at nightclubs and dance halls, and she was on the cover of Billboard. And at one point, she was called the female uh, Gene Krupa. And she said later that he should have been called the male Viola Smith. He dug her, though, right? Uh, yeah, and uh, Louis uh, Paulson, Belson? Belson. Louis, Louis Belson yeah. and Buddy Rich were fans of hers. Sure. They would come and check her out because she was so awesome. But because she was a woman, she wasn't given more uh-uh. opportunities. So after 15 years on the road, she moved to New York City and went to Juilliard. While there, she sat in with bands at the Paramount. And I have to find this other this other 
quote, which I thought was awesome, which was from her local paper in Costa Mesa. Right. She said, uh, oh, those were the days when the city, uh, the city of Costa Mesa honored her um, on her 100th. That was seven years ago. <laughs> After our shows, all the musicians on 52nd Street got together for dinner. It was so much fun. I'd sit with San- Frank Sinatra in a booth. We'd meet all the musicians and singers. Her other appearances were with the NBC Symphony Orchestra and on the Ed Sullivan Show. She also became the face of the and Zildjian, right? Zildjian Symbol Company. I mean, that's that's a logo that you see a million times, and I everybody don't. plays them. And Ludwig drums. Um, she played alongside Ella Fitzgerald, Chick Webb, and Bob Hope. She toured until the seventies. That was from the Daily Pilot. Um, it, it's kind of an awesome career, and we were watching an interview with her, and she was uh, totally snappy uh, walking on her own at 102 oh, in yeah. the interview. Um, she's uh, the one thing that I wanted to add to that is um, she wrote a famous column for yes. Downbeat in, in 42 about the fact that men are away at war. Right. And why not hire women? She said with men away at war, she wrote, instead of replacing them with what may be mediocre talent, I think she's underselling mm-hmm. that. Why not let some of the great girl musicians of the country take their places? Girls work right alongside men in the factories and the offices. So why not in dance bands? There are some girl musicians who are as much the masters of their instruments as male musicians Think it over, boys. Uh, Woody Herman asked her to join his orchestra, but she turned him down because she thought it was just as a novelty act. But later she said uh, that she thought he was a rare progressive in the field because he hired in 41 a a woman trumpeter named Billy Rogers, which was a milestone. But that just goes to show how long, if, if after the fact she was having to, Sing his praises. She said, I really had a charmed life. Unless people call drumming work, then I worked hard in my life. Let's spin on That's what she said when she was 100. Unbelievable. Here's some of the big band jam. Here's a viola. You need to see her kit, though. Her kit is like a, a 70s rock kit. It's just amazing. There's two drums on either side. Hey, let's hear this song. I'd like you to meet our very charming little drummer, Viola Smith.
What an astonishing career. Right? I love her outfit here, too. They, they all have cummerbunds, sequin cummerbunds. Her drum kit is amazing. It's an all-women orchestra, and everyone's just blasting. She said... Uh, is that a Viking? What is that behind right? them? It's male, so- male drummers would sneak in and try to copy her drum kit. She was that awesome. She's got... A tom, a kick, two toms, a, two toms, a snare, yeah, uh, and a woman playing bass fiddle. Oh my god! And a full array of uh, percussion, and including a, what appears to be a xylophone over there on the side. Yeah, look at that. It's pretty wild. The forties are hard for us to digest, but you have to remember how it was like as difficult as now. I think the whole time. Well, and to think of all these big bands, and I, I love the idea that what she said that there was communal dinners, yeah, and get-togethers. How fun it was! Right? It was fun. Sinatra <laughs> riffed with you. Oh, I think Sinatra wanted to do more with what? her than riff. This is the part that Jennifer loves, and we're going to play it here. Imagine two giant. What do you call? It's just Viola Smith. I don't know that swirling in the stars. I think she's dominating a gigantic planetary. Uh, Diane De Prima. There's kind of hard to characterize how great she is. Well, someone wrote uh, pagan Catholic Buddhist. Right. She was 86. Author of more than 40 volumes of poems, prose and stage plays. Co-founded the New York's Poet Theater, operated her own independent press, and ran the celebrated Floating Bear Literary Journal alongside her her then, this is the Washington Post, clandestine yeah. lover, what? Leroy Jones, who later became Mary Barada. Right. Um, in 1961, the FBI arrested both of them for sending obscene material through the mail, which I believe was a William Burroughs tract. Um, a grand jury failed to indict them, but she incurred massive legal debts. Upon moving to San Francisco in 1968, she helped organize the Diggers. Remember them? Mm-hmm. Community activists and occasional mimes. You don't want an occasional mime. I was. I don't an want in, a full-time mime. Infrequent, yeah. Into a charitable organization that helped feed the hungry in Haight-Ashbury. At the band's last waltz concert, she read a one-line yeah. poem called Get Your Cut throat off my knife michael mcclure described her as the best living poet in america her advice to readers read a lot read out loud a lot if there's something that you've written that bothers you sometimes i'd read into a tape i'd read into a tape machine i wouldn't listen hard i would put it on in the background while i was doing things She did innumerable lectures at the California College of the Arts, the New College of California, the Jack Kerouac School of Disembodied Poetics at Naropa University, Columbia College, and also private courses offered in her home. My subconscious would tell my mind to catch where the poem had fallen down, she says. You 
you're just receiving the poem and there are inevitably going to be places where your attention breaks or you reach for a word and can hear the rhythm of it, but it's not there. Sometimes I'd write in a substitute and fix it later. Her poems can be startlingly empathetic or fiercely barbed, simultaneously romantic and realist, invoking imagery that just juxtaposes pagan, Buddhist, and communal anarchism. I thought we'd be way more civilized, she admitted a couple of years ago, but I love how the various lines between men and women are fading. That was from Washington Post uh, article by Jeff Weiss. He went to interview her three years ago. Wow. I'm going to read a couple, if you don't mind. Well, and of course, she's also just inextricable from the fabric of San Francisco. I was going to say, she is San Francisco. Yes. Lawrence published her poems. Lawrence wrote the foreword to the first edition. Um, he's still alive. Yes. City Lights is still... Uh, the thing is, Diane de Prima is in a group, like, you know, it's very male. Well, and hilariously, uh, Lawrence called it, called the Beats, Allen Ginsberg and his friends. And she, <laughs> beautifully, because, you know, of her mystic bent and her Buddhism, she said the Beats were part of something that had always been. Well, to be sure. Alchemical Signals. Jennifer sent me this one this morning. Diane DePrima. For instance, the Aurora Borealis lightning, a beached whale, or the dream you didn't have, or a slip of the tongue. These are signs. Everyone else is telling stories. Signs can't be told, though you can learn to read them. If you're lucky enough to catch one going by, keep it to yourself. (laughs) This one, uh, I'm pretty sure I read from this book a couple podcasts ago. Mm -hmm. Revolutionary Letters. Obviously, all the poems are numbered and they carry on. Number 63. It's a little long. You'll indulge me. We have time. We're all here together. If I have to orient some people to who some of the characters are. Julian Beck, the the living theater, mm-hmm, is it? Mm-hmm. Timothy Leary, the tune in dropout. He it, he promoted psychedelic drugs, yes. I'm hoping you'll read a little because some of these references are here we go. Revolutionary letter no, uh, number sixty three, not strawberry letter twenty three. <laughs> Free, Julian Beck. Free, Timothy Leary. Free, seven million starving in Pakistan. Free, all political prisoners. Free, Angela Davis. Free, Soledad Brothers. Free, Martin Sobel. Free, Sokko and Benzatti. Free, Big Bill Hayward. Free, Sitting Bull. Free, Crazy Horse. Mm. Free, all political prisoners. Free, Billy the Kid. Free, Jesse James. Free, all political prisoners. Free, Nathan Hale. Free Joan of Arc. Free Galileo and Bruno and Eckhart. Free Jesus Christ. Free Socrates. Free all political prisoners. Free all political prisoners. All prisoners are political prisoners. Every pot smoker, a political prisoner. Every hold up man. A political prisoner, every forger, 
a political prisoner. Every angry kid who smashed a window, a political prisoner. Every whore, pimp, murderer, a political prisoner. There's more. Every pederast, dealer, drunk driver, burglar poacher, striker, strike breaker, rapist, polar bear at the San Francisco Zoo, political prisoner, ancient wise turtle at Detroit Aquarium, political prisoner, flamingos dying in Phoenix tourist park, political prisoners, otters in Tucson Desert Museum, political prisoners, elk in Wyoming grazing behind barbed wire, political prisoners, prairie dogs, poisoned in New Mexico war casualties, brackets, mass grave of Wyoming, bald eagles, comma, a battlefield, and brackets. Every kid in school, a political prisoner, every lawyer in his cubicle, a political prisoner, every doctor brainwashed by the AMA, a political prisoner, every housewife, a political prisoner, every teacher lying through sad teeth, a political prisoner. Every Indian on reservation, a political prisoner. Every black man, a political prisoner. Every faggot hiding in a bar, a political prisoner. Every junkie shooting up in a, in John is political prisoner. Every woman, a political prisoner. Every woman, a political prisoner. You are a political prisoner locked in tense body. You are a political prisoner locked in stiff mind. You are a political prisoner locked to your parents. You are a political prisoner locked to your past. Free yourself. Free yourself. I am political prisoner locked in anger habit. I am political prisoner locked in greed habit. I am political prisoner locked in fear habit. I am political prisoner locked in dull senses. I am political prisoner locked in numb flesh. Free me. Free me. Help to free me. Free yourself. Help to free me. Free yourself. Help to free me. Free Barry Goldwater. Help to free me from Free Governor Wallace, free President Nixon, free J. Edgar Hoover, free them, free yourself, free them, free yourself, free yourself, free them, free yourself, help to free me, free us. Dance. I know that was long. Thank you for indulging me. Um, wow. I think we need to... Uh, Can I just interject that she and William Burroughs talked about healing cats? <laughs> and that William Burroughs... He really loved cats, and he even wrote a book yes. about his cats. And apparently he had a system whereby he would try to, uh, with information about them and a little electricity, try to heal his cats. The cats? Yeah. <laughs> and he said it worked better on cats than humans because they, you know, they didn't fight back about it. Right. Um, how were they to know his wily ways? Mm. Right. You have been the smartest crowd in the world. We. We're, we're ending with that. What? I've been the smartest man in the world. Jennifer's the smartest woman in the world. Mary Page. Whoa. A little booty. Satchel Page, Cool Papa Bell, you know the drill. 
vote. If you haven't voted, please vote. There's nothing more important you could do. Nothing. Dig.